values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. The governor of Arizona is uh, making some moves and uh, letting people know where she stands on issues. Uh, you know, during the, she did not debate during the, and I was pretty critical that she didn't debate during the prime, or during the uh, uh, general election, the race against Kerry Lake. Um, I, with many other people, were critical of the fact that she didn't debate, but she is pretty firm in what she believes needs to be done now that she's been elected. She's been vocal about it, and she's doing interviews about it, and I think that's the right way to go. Whether you agree with somebody or you don't, and it's something I'm learning. I've learned it, but I'm trying to make sure I'm better at it, that I want to take somebody at face value that their intentions are good whether I agree with them or I disagree with them because then it's easier to have a civil conversation and disagreement of why you disagree. It's not a character assassination. There's two issues. The governor sat down with Fox News, and she talked with them about a couple of things that were interesting to me in this interview. And one of them was the border issue, and the other was the expansion of the ESAs or the Empowerment Scholarship Accounts. And I don't even know if they're called Empowerment Scholarship Accounts anymore. I think they're considered education savings accounts. But either way, the ESA expansion, the voucher program for schools. So I want to start with something on the border. Um, she is still busing migrants. Um, she So she said that we are sending them to their destination. It's relieving cities of the issue, border cities in Arizona. It's taking the issue off of their backs. But what we're doing is we're sending people to their final destination, and it gets them to where they wanted to go. So we're being more humane. So the obvious question is, does busing them encourage more migration to Arizona? This is money that was appropriated by um um, our Republican legislature in the previous uh, uh, legislative term uh, at the governor's request and to to do, to do this busing program. Uh, so the so the so it's already appropriated money. Um, I want to focus on how we use the taxpayer resources in the best way possible to uh, address the needs of the impacted communities, um, but then continue to push Washington to actually solve this issue. And that's that's the thing for me is that the 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 issue. Here here is if you're busing them, if you are, if, if they're finding out and they all find out, the cartels know it's advertised. They're pushing this on people coming from other countries to make a dangerous journey and spend thousands and thousands of dollars that they don't have. They're borrowing it or they're spending their life savings and sometimes borrowing and spending their life savings at the same time. And it's not a good thing. And I think it does incentivize people that if you go to Texas, they're going to put you on a bus or an airplane wherever, probably New York or D.C. But if you go go to Arizona, they'll fly you wherever you want to go. You got family in Denver, they're going to get you to Denver. They're going to bus you or they're going to fly you to Denver. And so I do think it's an incentive. And this is a point of disagreement with the governor that I have on this is that I believe we are incentivizing people. We are rewarding illegal behavior, which is not what you're supposed to do. So she was asked, do you blame the federal government for this issue. Absolutely. This is an issue that's been, the can has been kicked down the road for decades by both parties in Washington. Solving our immigration crisis could help with the economy, help with inflation. Um, we need real solutions. We do need real solutions and that is an issue, but we all, this is where we all understand elections have consequences on both sides of the political aisle. For the people on the left side of the aisle, the consequences were the policies of the Trump administration. The that they said were inhumane and mean-spirited toward people coming into the country illegally. To people on the right side of the aisle, it was a practical way to slow the illegal immigration into this country. Now you flip it. 
what we see now, people on the left side of the aisle see this as more humane. People on the right side of the aisle see this as a rubber stamp and telling people the door is open, come on in. And it's encouraging the highest number of illegal immigrants into this country in our history. Either way, we have seen that we are not fixing the problem. Having a president that issues executive orders, which we saw huge increases in the Obama administration, Trump used them a great deal, the policy shift to this president. When you see those policy shifts, there's it shows you the the, the um, how bad things are because it's not fixed. We don't have legislation. We have policy changes every time the White House changes hands in party. And if you think about it, go if you look at the disparity between how President Obama and President Biden handled things, and they were together. It was the Obama administration. Biden was the vice president to Obama. President Obama called himself the deportation president. He bragged about deporting more people than George W. Bush. Now, whether or not that's 100 percent accurate, I don't know. But he used that as a point of saying, I deported more people from this country that were in the country illegally than my predecessor. That's remarkable. And now we have the same party, completely different set of policies and enforcement at the border. Now let's talk about the education part of this. Um, the governor is not in favor of of changing the uh, or of keeping the ESA program the way it is. She wants to make changes. She doesn't like the fact that wealthier families are using this when they already have their children in private school to offset the cost of private school. She said that families that are not making a lot of money don't necessarily have the income to make up the difference in tuition, so it's not helping them. But there are other schools that are available to them. We're not talking just about the Brophies or the Seton Catholics or the uh, Scottsdale Christians or the Northwest Community Christian Schools. Um, there are plenty of other options, but the, the governor says she doesn't like it. Um, she talked about her, herself going to private school, but they asked her in this interview, she was asked, why are public schools failing? The schools are failing because we are failing to invest in them. Um, they're being starved of resources. And I will tell you that I'm not arguing whether or not that more money should be in education, but we are not starving education in Arizona. That is not why this is happening. There is not statistically, you cannot prove that to be true. And I can tell you anecdotally proof that it isn't. Last week, we talked about a story out of Baltimore. There are 23 schools in Baltimore where zero students, zero students are proficient in math. In the, in the Baltimore School District, 23. Baltimore far outspends Arizona in education spending per student and overall. My point is money is an issue. It's not the only issue. The public schools in Arizona are failing for a multitude of systemic reasons, not funding. Funding is not the issue. This is where the debate on education falls on deaf ears because immediately when someone like myself talks about this, the finger is pointed in my direction and says, I hate teachers or I hate public education. Not true. I acknowledge that the system is severely broken. We have a huge number of children, well more than 50 percent, closer to two thirds of our students cannot read at grade level in third grade or perform math skills at grade level in eighth grade. That is a complete failure. 
And so the public school system itself is not working. And so throwing more money and we've added so much money into education. We have added so much money into education in Arizona that for the last two years in the row in, in a row, we have bumped up against the uh, aggregate expenditure limit, the AEL. There is a constitutional limit to how much money as a percentage of the budget, how it works out that they can be spent on education that's adjusted for inflation. And for two years in a row now, we have added so much money into public education spending. Again, I'm not saying it's enough in the minds of everybody. I'm not saying it's enough, but they have added so much money to public schools that we are bumping up against that limit. It's got to be overridden by the legislature. So we haven't seen improvement. As a matter of fact, while funding during the previous administration had been increasing dramatically in schools, schools were getting worse. We're hearing that that was because of COVID. There is a systemic issue that all of us should be concerned about. That's my point. It's bigger than funding. We've got to do something to fix our schools. Coming up in just a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. It's a segment we call Did You Hear This? So stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Was a crazy, busy weekend in Arizona. Let's get you caught up on the news stories and headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Governor Hobbs was interviewed by Fox News and discussed the Empowerment Scholarship account and its effect on public schools. The school system that roughly 80% of of families and students still continue to choose in Arizona, the public um, district school system, is being robbed of those resources. And that is is creating an unequal playing field where those resources aren't going to the schools that need it the most. Are you concerned that the ESA program could be a detriment to public schools? Not at all. I think it's going to be an asset to public schools. This is the issue. They keep screaming about funding, funding, funding. We haven't seen any evidence yet. This is a brand new program. And if a government, if a district school is performing well, parents are not going to take their children out of those schools. It is the schools that are not performing well that need to refocus and need to be revamped. This is about making um, competition and about making them perform because in the end, the taxpayers, those those parents that are stuck in those schools that are not performing, those children deserve. That's where your unle- the unlevel playing field is. That is where you're seeing it not fair, where some neighborhoods have schools that are excelling. We just talked recently about the Buckeye Elementary School District, where they are seeing immense improvements of their elementary school children in reading and math. All districts have a right to see that kind of improvement. And until we force it and encourage it and do something different, we're not going to change anything. And it's time to try something different. This is different, and it's worth a try. Governor Hobbs also talked about the border crisis and whether or not she blames the federal government for how bad the situation has become. Absolutely. This is an issue that's been the can has been kicked down the road for decades by both parties in Washington. Solving our immigration crisis could help with the economy, help with inflation. Um, We need real solutions. What are some immediate solutions you'd like to see at the border? Um, I would love to see a guest worker program, a real robust guest worker program where all of the people that are coming and making false asylum claims as a means 
means to come into this country, they could actually be getting a work visa. It would solve our problems with this money that's being sent illegally back and forth using some of these services. They'd be able to open bank accounts. They'd be able to send money home, which would salvage the economies of their home countries. We would have a we would have a huge influx of people to work in the construction world where we would have the labor force to build the homes that we need. And we are going to be a couple of hundred thousand jobs short in construction alone over the next two years. While we are changing the American economy, where more young Americans are going into that field, we have a workforce that's begging to come to this country. So one of those changes that the government could make would be that visa program that would allow people at the of every level, not just high tech, not just high. When I say high skill, the trades are high skill, not just in the high tech white collar world, but in the blue collar world, too. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the headlines. A group of 35 countries, including the United States, Germany, and Australia, will demand that Russian and Belarusian athletes be banned from the Paris 2024 Olympics. The head of the IOC, Thomas Bach, is not backing down, saying that while he shared the grief and human suffering of Ukrainian athletes, governments should not be the ones choosing who can compete. Should these athletes be barred from competition? <laughs> you know, that's it's funny that they say that because we understand that the IOC has used its power in for political purposes to send a political message many, many times in its existence. So, um, you know, although I believe that uh, athletics should be reign independent, if you've got nations where they are destroying other countries, you're in the midst of a war where you've invaded a sovereign nation like Ukraine. We now are hearing about threats against Poland as well. They've made direct threats against anybody that helps Ukraine. I, I would say to you, how can you justifiably, when we are supposed Supposed to be promoting peace through competition on the athletic field. How can you, in good conscience, say we're going to invite the nations that are doing this to that to that competition? I, I don't think that it's outside of the bounds. I think they've done it before. I just think they don't want to take this stand because they don't want it to be bad for them personally. Super Bowl 57 ended with a bang. Going to throw it as far as his arm can take it, which is well short. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. How does this game lift to other Super Bowls in recent years? I'll tell you, I think that Arizona is a is a great place. for. We've been really lucky with the competition during the Fiesta Bowl. We've had some national championships and some barn burners of games right here on the field at the in the same stadium. And I think our Super Bowls have been great, whether it is the interception in the end zone where the um, the uh, New England Patriots beat the Seattle Seahawks or where the perfect season was destroyed and the uh, New England Patriots lost to the Giants or this Super Bowl here. Close games, not blowouts, nail biters, excellent teams, excellent competition. And let's face it, a couple of teams that you like to cheer for. You know, when you have the Kelsey brothers and that storyline was such a great one. you got two great, devout, Christian, good men quarterbacks competing against each other. First African-American quarterbacks on both teams to start in that competition. It was such a great storyline. So it's hard to pick a favorite, but this one is, in my mind, is going to be a memorable one in Arizona, you should be proud of yourself and how you hosted. That's Did You Hear This? We'll do it again tomorrow. Great job as always, Julia. What we're going to do in a moment is we'll go back to the economy, directly about the economy. And uh, a major city is working with and experimenting with guaranteed income. Why do I believe this will never work? I'll give you details next.
strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. It's been a whirlwind week uh, here in Arizona with the Super Bowl culmination yesterday. The end of the WM Phoenix opened. They are now a designated event for the PGA, which I didn't know there was such a thing. I'm a golf fan, but I didn't know that. Being a designated event with the PGA now means the purse has increased to $20 million for that tournament, which means the absolute elite in golf will be at this tournament because the purse is so high. It is a a, a great designation for the WM Phoenix Open when you didn't think it could get any bigger. Watching the coverage on TV this year and seeing how I've been here since 1995, the growth of that tournament and what's happened from 16 that is now a true stadium. It is is an arena that has built around three stories high that is built around that 16th hole and then 17 with the great expanse of the luxury boxes. It's a pretty incredible place. Um, and that, that's just the tip of the iceberg. They have a military place where um, if you're a member of the military, you have free food and free drinks for you and a plus one. And it's right on the uh, on the 18th fairway and 18th tee. It's a beautiful view to watch the end of the tournament and a way to honor the men and women in the military. So they've really expanded this, and it's millions of dollars toward charity. But it also brings in huge dollars into Scottsdale and the Arizona economy. You then you amp that up with Super Bowl and what that has done for how long it's been going on. It's incredible here. And I'm talking about the economy because I want to I, I wish there was a way and I never want to run away from my political beliefs because I think it's a part of every decision I make when we're talking about policy. But I also don't want to get so locked in of us against them or me against you in a political debate that we can't talk about what works. Arizona has shown itself with policies when it comes to fiscal responsibility, very fiscally small, very fiscally um, lean as far as the government goes, and it has done wonders for our economy. Now, there's a lot of people that want to don't want to agree with that because they don't want to agree with that political ideology. But it's just the way things happen during the eight years of the Ducey administration. And it's not all a credit to him. He gets a big division of things with the governor. But he worked with the Chamber of Commerce, um, the different legislatures that changed every couple of years under his administration had to go along as well. And there was a wrestling match there. There was a time. Um, I I've always give credit to former Governor Brewer because she's the one that had to stop the bleeding when the economy crashed and Arizona was the most fiscally endangered state per capita in the country. Um, but we did all that. And what we if you look at what's done, you can you can argue the semantics all you want. We have put billions of dollars more in education funding. Now, I'm not again, I'm not arguing with you if you say that it's still not enough. Fair enough. I'm not. We can argue that point at another time. For the purposes of this conversation, if you're going to be fair and honest, more money has been really funneled into this so that the last two years we've bumped up against the ag- aggregate expenditure limit. So we're spending more money on education. We're spending more money on public safety. Yet we are decreasing taxes on everyone in Arizona. Yes, including the rich, but everyone in Arizona. And we are seeing a rainy day fund and more money into the economy. You look on the other side of what's happened in America during this administration, where they are levying higher business taxes. There is more restriction and regulation on private business, especially in the fossil fuel industry. And we've seen the cost go through the roof. 
The other part of what's happened here in Arizona is we've seen a dramatic reduction in regulation. Now, there are people that say it's dangerous. I will tell you this, that there is a way to do things that still ensures high quality without um, standing in the way of progress. Uh, the former governor um, did something that I thought helped working people, and we talked about this, licensing. Um just like when you have a driver's license. When I moved here, I had a Florida driver's license back in 1995. And you have a defined amount of time to change that driver's license to an Arizona driver's license. But you're allowed to drive until you fulfill the requirements of an Arizona driver's license. Now, there's a defined period of time in which you've got to get it done before you're in violation of the law, but you have to do it. You can still drive with out-of-state tags on your vehicle for a defined period of time before you have to get Arizona tags on your car. But that doesn't mean you have to park your car until it's done. We shouldn't do that with other kinds of licensing either, and the governor stopped that from happening. If you come here as a massage therapist or a cosmetologist or anything else that has a certificate of proficiency and a license in another state, if it's in good standing for one year, you bring it with you and you go to work in Arizona with that license while you're fulfilling the Arizona requirements. That makes just good common sense. Just makes good common sense. Get out of the way as much as you can with the red tape. I've talked about my years in construction, and as much as I give grief to the city of Phoenix in a fun way, um, especially when you had to go into the city to do paperwork and stuff, it was a nightmare sometimes, even for small projects. Um, I've told a nightmare story that happened to me that I hope is fixed in the city. It was it was ridiculous. I, in my capacity as an electrical contractor, was allowed to draw blueprints for a service change and for equipment up to 600 amps. I could use my license to do that. I would do it up on an 8.5 by 11 piece of paper and a pencil. I would make three copies of what it looked like, the size of the service, the size of the conduit and wire, where I was going to put the ground rods, whether it was an overhead or an underground service. And I went to the city... And I took those drawings in, they looked at them, they verified them, they red stamped them, and they allowed me to go to work. I went into the city because I had a carport, so it was enclosed on two walls. So I was going to close in the other two walls and make it an office. And I was going to have a closet where I was going to store office supplies because I ran my business out of a very small bedroom in my house. The city of Phoenix ran me around in circles for a long time. It's got a closet. It's a bedroom. I said, it's not a bedroom. It's an office. Well, if it's got a closet and a door, it's a bedroom by our standards. So now you have to put smoke alarms in and you have to do this and you have to do that. Okay. And over here, we have a natural light ordinance. And used by based on the size of this room, you have to have a five foot by five foot window in order to fulfill our natural light requirement. And why do you do that? To save energy. I said, but you realize we live in Arizona. If there's a five foot by five foot window, my air conditioning costs are going to go through the roof. So what? You're saving in natural light. You're spending on air conditioning. They didn't like to hear any of it. The guy threw me out of the city. Those days are gone. When you work with an inspector in the city of Phoenix out in the field, and I've done it for years, they want to get the project done the right way, and they want to let you move on. So when they come in to do an inspection, if they see something that they think is a violation, they'll write it on the blueprints in red pen, and they'll say, hey, listen. Keep working. Get this fixed. Next time I come, I'm going to verify that you fixed this, 
And if you haven't fixed it, I'll never give you a break again. And it is a relationship where you trust me and I'm not going to I'm not going to break your trust. And the project continues and everybody continues on. Why? The goal is to get it done as quickly and efficiently as possible. It didn't sacrifice quality. Just stay working. And when you have administrations that are overly aggressive and when they are overly regulatory, it slows down progress and it costs a lot of money. It's one of the things that's happening in Arizona when it comes to home building, when it comes to any building. So it's something we need to address. Coming up in a moment, um, I want to finish off with a little bit of this and what the governor had to say on Fox News about education and about our economy and about education. All that's coming up here in just a moment. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, appreciate you spending some time here. We all want the same thing. We want a prosperous place where people have an opportunity to succeed. We all understand it's not going to happen for everybody. There's going to be a lot of failure along with a lot of success, but giving giving people an opportunity to fail and then succeed later, my concern was, it still is. Um, When I started my business, it was just me, a box of tools, a couple of ladders, and a truck. And as my business began to grow because of my relationships in the construction industry, I had the availability of growth, and I was able to grow fairly quickly. My concern with regulation and red tape that that's not going to be the same for someone else, that there's going to be a young person or a young couple out there that says, we want to hang our shingle out and make our own way, whether it's in the construction world I was in or otherwise. But the, the fallout for everybody with all of this is that, especially in the construction world, is that we are in desperate need of housing, affordable housing, absolutely, entry-level housing all the way up to mansions. The problem is right now the extended period of time it takes in order to get projects approved and shovels in the ground. And so part of this is a labor force issue, and another part of this is a red tape issue. If you were to, and you don't, you can trust me on this one, but if you have a friend that's in the construction world that owns a business or runs a business, if you were to ask them what is harder for your business to be successful, oppressive taxes or higher taxes or regulation, you know, requirements that they have to fulfill. And a lot of companies, it will be tough for them to decide which is worse. Uh, The extended period of time to get blueprints out of the city when things are happening, the extended period of time with zoning and trying to get the counties and the cities together on things. Um, Now you mix in with that, the nimbyism, that not in my backyardism, and nobody wants to build affordable housing in their neighborhoods. They're afraid it's going to drive down property values. Um, I'll tell you where I'm concerned about, where I lived, and I don't live there anymore right now, but I still have a rental property in in the um, Arcadia area is if you drive down 32nd Street, if you're going on 32nd Street, go from McDowell North all the way to, until a dead ends at Lincoln. When you're on 32nd Street, the number of multifamily, and I mean major apartment complex projects that are going up, the traffic on 32nd Street and in those neighboring roads, those intersections, is going to be a nightmare in a few years. They just put in a brand new project within the last two years. There's a multifamily unit um, on on 44th Street on the east side of the road. They just put in a huge, they put in a QT and um, 
I think it's right at the corner of Oak um, and and 44th Street. There's a QT, and then just south of that is a major apartment complex. Across the street from the apartment complex is kind of a multi-family unit housing development, all great for the city. And if you go down and you look at the 202 and 44th Street, the 202 and 40th Street, there are major projects being built there commercially that are industrial. It looks like our uh, tilt-up buildings. What that's going to do to traffic, but what we need to do is that managed growth. I'm in favor of growth. I love the growth, but we have to manage it, and we're going to have to do what we can to make it easier for these projects to get built. We are going to need a labor force. So, you know, when when I when I, it's not that I'm disagreeing with the governor because she doesn't control the visa program, but this is a bigger issue. It is not just how we. It is about always how we treat people, but it's not just about being kind or benevolent or or whatever. This is also about what's best for us. That on a bigger scale, it's not just are we flying people to where they want to go or are we just busing people anywhere we want them to get them out of our state. That's one argument. What are we doing to have a workforce in this state that builds buildings as quickly as possible and the hospitality industry is thriving? And, you know, there's a lot of jobs out there that have gone unfulfilled, that have gone, un, I should say, unfilled, not unfulfilled, unfilled. And there are policy changes at the federal level that can address that issue. And at the state level, there are things. Things that we can do to make it easier to get projects done. And generally speaking, from my perspective, it involves less government and not more of it. That, to me, is the big issue. All right, you hear the music. Uh, if you're a social media user at Broomhead KTAR, that's how you reach me directly. If you get something you like or dislike on Twitter in that account, that's me saying it. Um, at Broomhead Show updates you on our guests and other things we're doing on the show. And if you're an Instagram user, just find me at Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. Would love to keep in touch between shows. We'll be back tomorrow morning, beginning at about 8.15. We appreciate you being here. God bless.